it doesn't make any sense. He drove past the book depository, and the police said conclusively that it was an exit wound. So how is it possible for Oswald to have fired from two angles at once? It doesn't make sense. America, for 300 years, has been the land of promise for the rest of the world. The land of new frontiers. New opportunities. That's a complete conspiracy, you know. All the evil people of the world have banded together. Communists, subversives, thieves. It's a total, complete, worldwide conspiracy. He was not marksman enough to hit a moving target at that range. But, if there was a second assassin... Go, go, there we are, there it is. There is a conspiracy. There is an insidious, enveloping conspiracy. Oh, there's a reward. Yes, there will. There will come a morning when these men have taken over your home and taken over your daughter. They'll be sitting right there on your doorstep. Hey, how's it going? Good evening. This is Tank Riot. It's episode 83, the prime number episode. No, we're not going to talk about prime numbers. (laughs) But 83 is a prime number, which means this is going to be a prime episode. It will. It can't help but be. Right. I'm Sputnik. Of course, with me as always is Victor. Hello. And Tor. Hello. Our episode tonight will concern Abraham Zapruder and his fabulous assassination film. Yes, this is another in our conspiracies series. Yes. Just can't get too far away from those. We're focusing only on Abraham Zapruder and his film because, as we all know, uh, the JFK conspiracy theory is just a swirling black hole and you could be doing a podcast that's really nothing but absolutely we can talk for 35 hours on that topic alone easily and also we're going to talk about 2012 prophecy 2012 prophecy all right but first i have actually i don't have to go with my but first does anyone else have a but first they would like to lead with let's hear yours yeah what is it all right I have I have three, but first. Oh my goodness! Then you should go first. Um, number one, I, and this ties in with our Disney episode because I recently saw Up on oh. DVD. And nice. Let so, me let that's me. It's a wonderful film, isn't it? <laughs> well, let me just say this: I, I'd seen extended previews of it before, but I hadn't seen you know obviously the whole film. And when the yeah. DVD came out, I haven't seen it yet. So, oh, you haven't seen it. I'm going to continue, Tor. Okay. I, I got to just do this. Do it. Okay. All right. Because this is a direct tie in to, to, like I say, our Disney episode. And I think this better explains the point I was trying to make about how Disney movies made me feel growing up. All right. Okay. Now, I love Pixar animation. I've, I've always thought the world of Pixar and their quality of animation, the stories that they do and so on. The movie Up is, you could just see Disney's claws all over this one because the film was unremittingly depressing and filled with pathos and regret. And just, I thought, you know, of course, you know, the the, the villains are completely 1,000% evil. The, the You know, the heroes are, you know, 1,000% good. And, of course, by Disney law, it has to all wrap up well in the end. But I felt just like I did when I was a kid and I watched, you know, Old Yeller, Bambi, you know, what Pinocchio, whatever. I felt just angry that I had been so manipulated, emotionally mm-hmm. manipulated. I will grant you effectively, mm-hmm. but it just it just felt like such a sleazy ride. And I and I hate to say that because I think the movie overall 
you know, could have been a lot better if Disney was not involved. And I and I wish that Pixar would get enough money to buy themselves back and just do movies like Toy Story again because I think Disney's influence is just. I think they are doing Toy Story again. Yeah, there's another Toy Story coming down uh, down the pipe. I've seen the preview for it, and it looked like another great romp with the same old characters mm-hmm. that you're used to. But I gotta say, I really disagree with you on that one because I really, really liked Up. I thought it was another one in the series. I know the sentimentality part that you're talking about. But I think that really kicks you in the nuts in the first ten minutes of the film, and then you go on into the on no. this final this big adventure. That was there throughout the entire movie. Yeah, that that level of regret and depression, and I mm-hmm. just I, I don't know. I, I, I just thought it was I, the movie just made me feel very sad and depressed, and again finally angry for mm-hmm. being so manipulated. So, Interesting. And I didn't even think the bad guy played that much of a role in the film. Like he wasn't even a major character because you had these these conflicted good guys working together, and and that's kind of a theme I I seem to see in the in the Pixar stories like Toy Story where you have Buzz Lightyear and mm-hmm. and uh, Tom Hanks, you know, kind of going at it. Right. Where the bad guy is really secondary to the good guys trying to get well, along. I don't want to spoil the details for, for sure, Tor, sure. But, but the point is, is that I just thought that there was. The, it seemed like it started at this this kind of harsh level, and it just stayed that way. And then the movie ends. Yeah, I get and what it, you're saying. And and I just to me that is exactly how I felt growing up watching Old Yeller, Mary Poppins, Bambi, Pinocchio. Uh, later on, of course, you know, Lion King and things like that. It, there, there's just this, this. I mean, and I'm not saying that kids have to watch these, you know, saccharine, sappy, HR puffin stuff. HR puffin stuff. <laughs> well, they do have to watch. <laughs> that. They do have to watch. Just that. give the fucking flute to Witchy Poo and let's just get the drama over, okay? That's that's what I kept thinking. It's like, look, Jack Wilder, you dink. <laughs> Boy, I saw a picture of him before he died. Oh, yeah, that was a sad passing. Yeah, but let's mm. let's let's not go down the Sid and Marty. Speaking of uh, depressing, <laughs> anyways, I just that's want... interesting. Tor will have to do the tiebreaker when he sees it. Yeah, and, and we'll find out. Let me know how depressed right. he gets. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. That's, well, yeah. I just I just hate being so so blatantly manipulated like that. It just I don't know. Yeah. In any case, mm. all right. Another tidbit that I have, and this is from Sports Illustrated, is that Iraqi detainees at a at a prison camp in Baghdad have been taunting U.S. soldiers when they find out that they're from Wisconsin about Brett Favre signing with the Vikings. (laughs) I think that's just hilarious that they would even know. Maybe they don't really know, but it's just like, you're from Wisconsin, right? Hey, Brett Favre, you suck! (laughs) I think that's just hilarious. Oh, man. And uh, my third tidbit, and, and this one... This show is a brand new show on True TRU TV. I think it used to be Court TV. Okay. And I found this completely by accident, but it premiered last night. Conspiracy Theory, hosted by Jesse Ventura. Oh, yeah. He's a buff. Oh, my God. Definitely a buff. It was so good. What do you think the first thing they covered? Was it JFK? No, Harp. Harp, oh really? Yes. So they flew up to Alaska, and they're looking at Harp, and so they had all these pictures, and they were... Uh, you know, the films of, you know, the harp installation. And if you look at a picture of harp, it mm-hmm. looks kind of like um, the substation, you know, in, in a small town, you know, just that kind of boxy wires and transformers and right. so forth. But um, Jesse Ventura was just choice. <laughs> I am the former governor of Minnesota. <laughs> that... I was also in Predator. <laughs> I was a Navy SEAL. <laughs> I ain't got time to bleed. Did so... he fly in in a helicopter with a cigar in his mouth? No, but... <laughs> Let's solve this. 
he kept going. He was like going face to face with these guards at the at the heart facility. He goes like, "Well, let me tell you something. I when I get in, I don't get intimidated. I just get angry. <laughs> I'm a former Navy SEAL. I'm a former governor." And that just like kept coming up. And then he he ran into this guy uh, who lives in the neighboring town and is just obsessed with harp. And what? name do you think came up because of course it's not it's it's not just about weather control it's not just about mind control it's an invisible death ray that can bring down satellites <laughs> tesla nikola tesla <laughs> was cited and in fact his papers were cited in the person who had the original patent for the harp technology excellent so wow. that's kind of a tie into our, our yeah tesla you know if you follow the real story of harp it had a really sordid uh, upbringing of trying to get funding from the feds by saying all the wild things they might oh, yeah. be able to do with it, which you know feeds the conspiracy theory. It's it's an interesting facility that I'm surprised it's still being funded. I got a series recording going for that one, so next week <laughs> is going to be 9/11 Truth. Oh god! So Ooh. wait for that one. That's great. <clears throat> so I those are my my but first. So well, awesome. I I actually uh, talked to someone once who uh, met Jesse Ventura. Mm. Actually met with him in his governor's office when he was governor and, you know, talked Sweet. about some issues with education. And he thought, you know, Jesse was pre- pretty straight shooter. He-, he seemed to listen to his comments and understand them and, uh, you know, show genuine concerns. Well, so, that's the thing. He is really a straight shooter. He will yeah. tell you what he really thinks. Oh, yeah. yeah. I loved his I loved his autobiography, <laughs> Ain't Got Time to Bleed. That doesn't mean he's right all the time. Right, exactly. Well, no, but yeah. I mean... But that mean, made for a refreshing politician as governor right. oh, yeah. of Minnesota, where things exactly. are sometimes... You can really respect someone like that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the uh, recent political struggles in Minnesota can show just how truly ugly and yeah. in, in fighting... In, in Michelle fighting Bachman me. really scares me. Oh. Really yeah. scares me. <laughs> No but kidding. I I got to hand it to him. I mean, they put Stuart Smalley in the Senate. I mean, they did. Yes, that's right. Finally, I, yeah. I th- I think he will contribute. He already that's, has. Yeah. He's already contributed a lot. Definitely. He's been really, yeah. really an interesting guy and to have up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think so too. But hey, speaking of Sports Illustrated, what's the difference between a golf ball and an Escalade? What? Tiger Woods can drive a golf ball 300 yards. Oh! <laughs> hi You are correct, sir. Why did his wife take a nine iron after the Escalade? <laughs> she didn't like the driver. Is that all we're hearing about lately? No kidding. And you know, and I guess like, what is it, like three women now are stepping forward? It's like, holy net. Yeah, yeah. My gosh. But, and, and then I heard something today where the offer's already gone out that, you know, the, the way these prenups are set up, that uh, when he married his, his uh, current, was his wife now, he's, uh, the prenup said if she stays with him for 10 years and then decides to leave, you'll get 20 million, no questions asked. Well, I guess the offer's already been tabled. Like, and if you want to go now, the 20 mil's out there. Wow. wow. So, I mean, well, I, I mean, think... what were they even doing out there at 2.30 in the morning? Do you know what they were doing? Clubbing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. They are out there already. Yeah, they are. It's terrible. I know when Michael Jackson died, the first thing I did is I typed in Michael Jackson jokes, and there were like whole websites that oh, were just devoted to it. It's terrible. But, you know, I got to yeah. say, but first, that I'm I'm really disappointed that uh, our president threw down another 30,000 troops to go to yeah. Afghanistan with a far future possible withdrawal depending on how things look on the ground we might uh, pull back our troops 
I'm getting just absolutely fatalistic <laughs> about these type of things. Yes, it offends me, but it doesn't seem like it has the same edge anymore for me. Yeah, because yeah. It just seems like, okay, is this explanation any better, any worse than Vietnam, Korea, whatever? And the fact is, you're right. It's this is we have a problem. We got to send in the ground troops. But, of course, we'll have an exit strategy. No, you don't have an exit strategy from putting combat troops anywhere. No, the military-industrial complex won. They wanted 40,000, and he said, I'll give you 30 right now, Mm -hmm. maybe more later. So they won. He's in the pocket. You know, he's just the next president who can't get out of a foreign engagement. And I'm not not trying to justify this in any way, shape, or form, but I know this one is going to keep coming up and coming up and coming up, is that because uh, Afghanistan... And Pakistan have such close ties as far as being, you know, all Pushtuns or largely Pushtuns and having a very strong, you know, Islamic connection. You know, Pakistan is a nuclear power. And, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that is always going to be used as some sort of rationalization. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I spent years studying uh, international relations, and I hate to be the one right now who wants to just simplify this. But you either have to come up with a quick exit strategy right. and get out, or you have to play the long haul and stay there. And I think now we're all going to play the long haul and stay there, although our economy can't handle it. Our society is no. going to be against him within mm-hmm. you know six months. This is going to turn and become Obama's war, and it's just already gonna, has. Yeah, really. it's, it's just not. This isn't going to work. So I'd rather just pull out. I'd rather just end this as quickly as possible. I mean, Vietnam was the same way. It was actually Eisenhower's war. Mm-hmm. Then it be you know Kennedy did his bit, and then. Um... But look, the Vietnamese were still in Vietnam. There are no Al Qaeda in. Uh, Afghanistan anymore, really. And the Taliban, yes, they're still Pakistan, there. Though. Right. But I just don't feel like we owe Afghanistan the nation building after what happened with 9-11. No. That we have to stay there for 10 years. Uh, well, I think, you know, it's like if when you invest the money and the time and the planning into something like the Marshall Plan for Germany and Japan, I mean, there's something to be gained there in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, economic and military and social stability. Mm-hmm. With Afghanistan, I guess I just don't see that. It's going to be a constant fight against opium fields. Yeah. Constant fight. That's yeah. all they're going to do. And they can do this till the end of time. Right. I don't think having 40,000, 50,000, 80,000 troops is going to end the opium farming and the gun trade. Actually, the <laughs> Taliban did a really good job when they were in power before of of uh, literally cutting down <laughs> the poppy trade by you know cutting their hands off or their heads off or... Whatever. They were pretty brutal about it, and they did actually make the opium trade drop, but not go away completely. Right. You right. Know? And I'm yeah. not saying that that's what needs to be done by any means. Yeah, but. the only way the, the U.S. really starts achieving its goals is if they start making a lot of friends real fast. You have to have right. the, the, the general population in Afghanistan has to be like, okay, we want to go along with the U.S. and, and just work right. hard to, to make a, a good government. Well, it's and widely reported th- that, that half of them do. Yeah, right. well, it's the other half you got to <laughs> exactly. yeah. worry about. So, not to mention the corruption too. Where like you know, even basic infrastructure services, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's like, uh, what about a little of this? You yeah. know, it's like, well, uh-huh. okay, yeah, quagmire. It is. Yeah. It, is and, it is a quagmire. And, and I mean, when we you know can't really get half half the U.S. country to be right. friendly to one another. That's, oh no. Well, how about we table this for a year and then we'll come back to it? All right. That sounds, <laughs> yeah, fine. Well, the casualties have really risen. Yeah. Well, I mean, no one remembers Vietnam as Eisenhower's war. We were paying, uh, that was one of the big revelations in the Pentagon Papers that came out during the second Nixon term was, um, actually I should say the first Nixon term was that uh, by, was it 53, we were paying like over 80% of 
of France's mm-hmm. military bill bill in Vietnam. And then, of course, like I say, Kennedy comes, he does his thing. And that was one of the things that always pissed me off in the movie JFK. <laughs> and even about Oliver Stone, you know, always... Oliver Stone, I, I think, looks back on the 60s and sees things in a very different way. And in his mm-hmm. mind, JFK is one of these guys that would have ended Vietnam and the 60s would have been this golden, beautiful age. And it's like, no, I don't think so at all. I mean, Jack Kennedy was a real cold warrior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the things that he did during his administration in terms of... Um, you know, dealing with the Berlin Wall and the Cuban Missile Crisis before there was a hotline between the Kremlin and Washington or anything. I mean, that was real brinksmanship that, quite honestly, if Khrushchev wouldn't have been the bigger man, honestly, and, and said, you know, this isn't really worth an exchange. Yeah, a lot of credit goes to Khrushchev, but, you know, credit goes to Kennedy, too. But I, it, it, I'm not I don't know. Me, but yeah. yeah, OK. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'll begrudgingly give that. <laughs> but I, I mean, everybody got lucky though on that whole. That's thing. That's true. Everyone got very lucky. There was lucky. a lot of that too. There was a lot of things during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Like it was, it was the worst of all possible. There was some bonehead Air Force bonehead in in Florida that actually authorized a routine downrange missile test while all this shit was going on. <laughs> So you can imagine, I mean, these radar screens are lighting up. <laughs> like, you, more! <laughs> well, yeah, it we, right here in the schedule, uh, launch yeah. missile. When you look back and you hear the conversations about how close that actually came oh, to a full yeah. nuclear exchange, that's that's pretty pretty oh, close. They were DEFCON 4. There yeah. was no doubt yeah. about it. They, everyone was ready. My, my dad was on a destroyer then, and he was due to leave the destroyer and, and then just work... Uh, stateside and you know eventually end his navy career uh-huh. but as soon as that happened his, his orders to uh you know leave were canceled and he had to you know stay on ship but then it got over with so he yeah, yeah. you know uh-huh. continued with the other the original plan mm-hmm. but you, you know it, it affected everybody i think it was like oh yeah yeah no we're not releasing anybody everybody's because oh sure we're, we're in for it here and then you know after and i and i totally believe that it had kennedy you know survived 1963, and perhaps even done another term, he would have escalated the number of troops in Vietnam just as mm-hmm. Johnson did. And, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm sure it would have turned out different, maybe worse, maybe better, because he's a different guy. So he has a different Ooh. thinking process. Right. And, yeah. And, and you know, of course, you know, every something big in history, like a president getting shot, is going to change history. Right. But I, I don't. We we can't assume everything would have been you know butterflies and flowers no yeah. no i don't think so either and and but i guess the point i was trying to make is is that yes this is obama's war now mm-hmm. so even mm-hmm. though bush started this out of pure ignorance and pure arrogance well and then shifted to the other war out of even more ignorance exactly yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had and to, abandoned we had, this front completely we had to spend you know, we had to send thirty thousand troops to stabilize iraq too so i guess you know <laughs> he threw uh-huh. my dad <laughs> yeah <laughs> keep yeah. I guess the lottery is just going to be one through 30,000 and then after that, but there's no draft. <laughs> yeah, thanks, a pant load. So do you want to talk about the JFK assassination first since we're already on that? Yeah, or do you want to yeah. talk about the end of the world? Let's do... Oh, God. <laughs> All right, you know what? We can Because we can wrap up 2012 pretty quick. Yeah, it is pretty... You know... The be- world will end and we will all die. Yeah. So have fun now, kids. 20... The, the, the don't date- stay in school. Yeah, don't stay there's in school. There's no point. There's no... Yeah. What are you going to get out of this? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, two years. Make something of yourself. Well, let's talk 1963. <laughs> you want? You want? You just go. You want to go into the Zapruder film? Sure. Because 
Right, we started the whole. Kennedy, all right, fine. All right, fine. Kennedy, for... JFK. We've been yes, we have. Cuban Missile. We've been building up to it for yes, a while right. here. Yeah, it would be too shifty. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's no way that we can cover this whole beast, like you said earlier, Spotnik. It's just too much. We'd end up talking about the Umbrella Man, the Hobos. Uh, uh yeah. There's General just, Walker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just it's endless. And in point that we were talking earlier this week about the fact that. The, the Kennedy assassination is is the quintessential conspiracy because all of these facts are just thrown into a blender. And because the way the human mind works, you try to associate things. You try to make sense of them. Try to so make a pattern. You try right. to find a pattern. That's what our whole lives are about is building yeah. patterns through re- pattern recognition. And if you don't, mm-hmm. you know, so even though you you may not even think that there's anything behind. Now, I myself, I'll, I'll clear the decks on this right now. I myself support a single shooter theory with Lee Harvey Oswald. But the the point is, is that when you, when you take all of these different pieces and you start throwing it mm-hmm. in, and then you start associating, then you start to see this conspiracy and you start to question it. And, and that's really how a lot of these things happen. And it's also the cast of characters that are involved in this are such an interesting group of people. I yeah. mean, Lee Harvey Oswald, ha- Oswald has oh, yeah. a storied and troubled background Very. that leads him on paths to dealing with, you know, moving uh, to Russia and, you know, trying to get rid of his U.S. citizenship. He was a Marine, right. was wasn't he? And he yeah. was so depressed, he tried to kill himself <laughs> while in, in Russia. And, and met a Russian woman, got married. And right. she, she might have been a spy, too, keeping tabs right. on him. And, and then he goes into the dealing with the Cubans. Uh, and it, the is, Fair is, Play is, for Cuba Committee. Right. Isn't he at one point pro-Cuban and, or pro-Castro and another point anti-Castro? It's like you, well, see, or no, at least I know that's something that was brought up in the JFK yes, film, which right. I, did, which it, it, I it's, didn't. It's kind of like check. the two. It's, that's the two Oswalds theory, yeah, which yeah. again, yeah. Let's we, stay. Let's stay in reality. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna. We're just gonna stay. A lot of that is real. So, so Oswald's got a, a storied past dealing with the Fair Play group. The JFK movie frustrates the living crap out of me because whenever anyone goes for, um, I want to find out more about JFK. What yeah. movie are they going to go pick up? Are oh, they going to go pick up a PBS JFK. documentary? No, they're no. going to watch Oliver Stone. He's a famous director, and he is, and he's great. But he considers JFK his godfather. Yes. It's his yes. masterpiece, mm-hmm. and it's a masterpiece of crap. It really is. And when I first yeah. saw it, because I had been into the conspiracy theory pretty neck deep and thought, wow, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. Right. Then I saw the JFK documentary or you know, film <laughs> documentary, and then I was even more, wow, there's really something to this. It's amazing. It was a conspiracy. And then I started mm-hmm. reading even more about it, and now I've come full circle. The more I know, uh, the more I f- honestly, truly believe it's a single shooter and I believe in the whole magic bullet, uh, single bullet that we'll get to in the Zapruder sure. film. But but y- y- I, yeah. JFK frustrates me to no end. So I hope people don't listen to this podcast and then say, I should go watch JFK for the truth. Because right. it's no, factually not- every conspiracy ever made gets kind of shuffled in the Oliver Stone blender. Oh, they throw mm. it all out. I, I recently watched this movie um, just, to, uh, just for kicks. <laughs> and I thought it was a really well done movie. It. It's two, a gorgeous film, yeah. Two it's, thir- yes, it's a, it's yes, it's a, yeah. it's a very well made film. Yeah, as far as filmmaking goes, production two, values. Let's it, say. it goes on quite a bit. It's a long movie, but by no means don't assume anything in it is true. No, you, you got to do your research. Although you know what, and I would he Rochambeau's the truth pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't you agree to her though that I think that the movie is worth watching, not necessarily about. Um, historical proof right. or evidence of, right. of, of your, you know, JFK's life, but 
more or less how conspiracy theory is generated and how it can be so compelling. Yes. You know? and, and I also think, I think he pretty, he, he does a pretty good job illustrating kind of the, the times and, yes. and, and, and the people. Well, it, it's you, filled you, with you, tons you, of great actors too. Oh, yes. It's John loaded Candy, with actors. <laughs> yes. John Candy. John, it stars John Candy. <laughs> Donald Sutherland, <laughs> yeah, Donald Sutherland. Exactly. There's, um, uh, I, I think uh, Murray. What's Bill Murray's brother? Uh, Brian Doyle. Brian Murray. Doyle Murray. That's right. He's in there. I forgot about. Oh, that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, the Costner. Yeah, <laughs> the Costner. That's what yeah, we're now going to have the postman. <laughs> the postman's in. Yeah, that's <laughs> Jim. That's the other reason I watched the movie is because we just got done talking about Kevin Costner. And we're like, oh, we're going to then talk about the Zapruder film. Well, I'll watch JFK because it <laughs> ties in with both of them. Yeah. John Candy, I guess, in his shots, he plays that slimy dude and he's like sweating right. the whole time. Yeah. He was nervous, nervous, nervous about being in this big production with a real director and real great actors. And that's why he was sweating like that the whole time of, that he was on set. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. not doing Wagons East, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the Great Outdoors. Another oh, John Candy great. But, but okay, no, so, that was a great so the focus that we're trying to go with is just Abraham Zapruder. So if our listeners are not familiar with it, Abraham Zapruder was the Dallas businessman who had taken the very famous film of the actual uh, JFK assassination. With a bell and howl, 8 millimeter, A Helen Ball. <laughs> color. <laughs> Yes. Camera. Using Kodachrome 2. Yep. Yeah, Kodachrome, yeah. you know, it makes everything just better. So so these yeah. type of cameras generally shoot 18 frames a second. Right. And after a lot of analysis and, a th- and, and looking at this film, this one actually shot about 18.3. Yeah. It's the, a little faster. Yeah. These are mechanical cameras, totally. so if, if the little cams are worn a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, that's the time's going to yeah. be but, different. But for its time, this was a very state-of-the-art yeah. Uh, camera. Oh, yeah. And, and, you it, know, it's a nice one. Yeah. Zapruder's not the only person who got film of the JFK assassination. No. Maria Muchmore is another one, I believe. And uh, there were several uh, Oliver still Nicks, photographers I is another one. that got various uh, Orville photographs. Nicks. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, they were all further away for other video records. Mm-hmm. So Zapruder ended up being on the right side of the road on Kennedy's side, right. where a lot of the other ones were on the other side. And That's right. And he just got a, a better, cleaner recording of everything. He was standing on. Uh, Kind of a cement, pedestal, plat- yeah, yeah, you know, one of those um, little raised platforms that you would a, see, a pillar, yeah, like or, a pillar, yeah, yeah a base, a, a big fat you cylinder know, thing. When he got to work that morning, he didn't even have his camera, no, and his secretary yeah. just urged him to go get it because he was oh, such a fan yeah. of John Kennedy that he's yeah. like, oh, uh, he wasn't going right. to take his camera at all. He said, oh, I'll just go see it and I'll remember it. And he was like, <laughs> no, no, you should take a camera. Famous last words: <laughs> You're gonna need it. <laughs> 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 so he had this incredibly great vantage point uh, to to film, and you know, just a little background now. Uh, Abraham Zapruder uh, was born in 1905. He passed away in 1970 at the age of 65. Uh, he was a woman's clothing manufacturer. That's interesting that he died so close to the assassination. Was there some conspiracy to that? There, there very well could have been. Did yeah, he know seven too much? years later. Did he know not enough? <laughs> Did he know too much? <laughs> <laughs> but um, he was from a uh, Russian Jewish family. Uh, they emigrated to. Uh, he only actually had four years of of education. Uh, he 
you know, during, you know, after the revolution, his family all emigrated uh, to America. And he tried to learn English right away. Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. He, they emigrated to New York. And anyways, he, yeah. he found himself, uh, you know, moving to uh, Dallas, Texas, where he co-founded uh, a quite successful company that was located just uh, across the street from the Dallas Book Depository where Oswald had set up his sniper nest in Dealey Plaza. So he didn't really have very far to go on his lunch break to go film yeah. this. And the reason yeah. Kennedy was, was given, yeah. Yeah. And and the reason Kennedy was there was because uh and the reason Lyndon Baines Johnson was his running mate were you know the same reason is that in the conservative south uh an Irish Catholic boy like John Kennedy did not do very well and you know he had to mm-hmm. kind of make some appearances press Well the he flash. wanted to do like four big meetings or whatever. Um, right. Fundraisers, four fundraisers. big fundraisers, and they convinced him he should just, you know, do the one, and you know, that'd be and, there, and there was a big fundraiser that he was going to mm-hmm. uh, after this motorcade had gone through town and everything, and and um, he was um, like a Secret Service nightmare because number one, you know, he wanted the top off of the car, mm-hmm. and um, you know, of course, that's a huge security risk, obviously, and, and yeah. it proved to be. <laughs> uh-huh. Hindsight's twenty twenty on Hindsight's that one. Twenty twenty, exactly. Yeah. So, and also, <clears throat> long before he got to Dealey Plaza, he was just like literally stopping the car, getting out, and you know, uh, kissing hands and shaking babies, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> and. Um, that's back before they knew about and the safety issues. There's like issues. pictures yeah, of Kennedy like going into the crowd looking, you know, very Kennedy-esque with that fabulous hair and the big smile and everything. And then there's these really tense-looking Secret Service guys like, damn you, Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets in the car and, and he keeps on driving. Now, I've actually, have you gentlemen been to Dallas? I haven't been to Dallas. I have not. I had an occasion a number of years ago on a, on a motorcycle trip to go through uh, Texas, and um, you know, I gotta say, it it was the only reason I really stopped in Dallas was to go to Dealey Plaza, right? Um, That'd be the only reason I'd want to go. I'm sorry to our Dallas listeners. <laughs> I don't know enough about Dallas. It's not. Yeah. It's not a motorcycle friendly city. Let me put yeah. it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a there's there's a, a lot of people want to go there though. There's a library yeah. on the sixth floor. You know, in the book depository. I mean, there's things I'd really like to see at Dealey Plaza. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, can, I can totally understand it's why pretty, that would be interesting. And you can take tours and everything, and you can, you can, of course, you know, go to the book depository to the sixth floor. You can go to the grassy knoll. Yeah. You can, you know, see the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. I actually have a coworker that went there recently, and she brought back a little postcard of Daily Plaza, yeah, with little arrows and labels where everything happened, wow. where all the shooters were, <laughs> yeah, where all yeah. the shooters on the grassy knoll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's you know it, it's become a tourist trap kind right. of thing almost so so yeah so Zapruder you know was here and he took this film so so essentially if you if you can kind of visual if the l- listeners can visualize the route you know you're in you're in this very large vehicle uh Johnson and Lady Bird his wife are are in the car behind them there's secret service and Dallas police everywhere around him and there's Kennedy and Jacqueline Kennedy well, the thing, you know, Nellie Connolly died in 2006, so all four of the passengers in that vehicle are now oh, that's deceased. Right. You're right. And the biggest tragedy of that event should have been the fact that Nellie and Jackie showed up both wearing pink. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that wow. was 
They were. She was so stressed out about. Are that. you wearing Coco Chanel? <laughs> you <sighs> bitch. <laughs> so they both had their. You know, one had the red roses. One had the the yellow roses. And they were they were all dressed very fancy, and that was one of the images that she remembers. But you know the image I can't get out of my head: mm. Parker Posey, House of Yes, House of Yes. Oh my god, that was an awesome Halloween costume, wasn't it? Oh, I used oatmeal. But any- <laughs> you be him, and I'll be her. <laughs> and that was the whole uh, Blood and Roses, because that's all she yeah. could remember seeing in the vehicle after the accident. But the other famous last words part of the whole thing was uh, Nellie, whose last words to JFK were. Mr. President, you can't say Dallas doesn't love you. Bam, bam, bam. Kill shot. Immediately <laughs> after that said. Yeah. Creepy and horrible. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. All right. So anyway, on the route. So so you're you're coming into this um it's kind of like a little a little valley, little inset there, and then you're coming through to an underpass, and there's this this kind of slow turn. So this car is doing maybe five mile five miles an hour or less. Oswald is up on the sixth floor. It's a very sunny day. Visibility is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and Abraham Zapruder takes this film, mm-hmm. which has become just so incredibly iconic. Right. It's a, an assassination was in, was filmed. And here's here's the other thing is all pretty much all other murders and assassinations, whatever in history, are not on film. No. And they are solved to a reasonable doubt. Yeah. We we know, you know, John Wilkes Booth, you know, we know what happened. Right. No one had to videotape it. And as a matter of fact, the videotaping has helped stir the pot of controversy, which I find completely hard to believe. But it's yes. so true that having this video evidence wasn't in any way a way to squelch speculation of a giant conspiracy it, no. it just blew and yeah it, 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 it's amazing that we have video evidence and it's not enough well the, right. the, the video evidence itself though um was was changed and altered now you know but before we get down that road okay. we're probably getting ahead of ourselves we are. and yeah. uh, so so this this gentleman uh, who owns a, a a woman's clothing uh store factory yeah. manufacturer what were the names of the uh the clothing line he it was, sold. Uh, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Juniors. Jennifer Juniors. Jennifer yeah. Juniors. Yeah. I thought that was a classic <laughs> name. Yeah. So as you were saying before, Victor, uh, you know, Zapruder was a huge uh, Democratic Party supporter mm-hmm. and you know, big admirer of JFK. You know, there's uh, people in the, who lived through the '60s. They all uh, went to Woodstock and they all voted for Kennedy. But Kennedy, <laughs> you know, won by the slimmest yeah, of margins. Yeah. Someone yeah. didn't vote so for like, him. Yeah, somebody didn't vote for him. I don't think mm-hmm. uh, they all did. But. And, I, you know, I think even in my own history where, you know, you hear enough about Kennedy and about what he, I, I really, this is a tragedy that he was assassinated. I mean, he might not have been the best president. He might not have been, had the best policies and he might have gotten sucked into the Vietnam thing, but but this assassination is a terrible tragedy. I mean, right. for America, I don't want to make light of it. You know, in our analysis of mm-hmm. it, I mean, we are obviously a jokey bunch, but man, that that's just a terrible thing. It's like the Challenger explosion for mm-hmm. my yeah, generation. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my uh-huh. one of my earliest memories, in fact, is, and I, I think I've mentioned this on uh, during the uh, JFK funeral. And I, I would so I was like three at the time, mm-hmm. and we were watching it, and and I remember that film of you know the caissons and the the horse with the the boot turned around and everything, and I can clearly clearly remember that from when I was a kid because it was so shocking to me to see my parents so upset, and and uh, it it was a very uh, very confusing period of time, and, and what's interesting is 
is that um, I think it was the History Channel recently ran uh, a show called The Lost JFK Tapes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think, oh, it's, you know, other photographs of it. No, it's not. <clears throat> it was all the local coverage. Right. News coverage as mm-hmm. it was happening. And it was fascinating because you could just see how confused and upset people were. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it was, it, and, and it was funny, too, because the newscasters were just chain-smoking while they're on the camera and literally had like two two uh, phones up to each ear trying to get all the information and everything. And, and they were trying uh-huh. to calm the public by saying, uh, the president is receiving blood transfusion. It's like, you know, not goddamn likely. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing a story of, a, I think it was a woman, and one of our listeners probably heard this too, so you can write us in and tell me because I've totally blacked it out. But uh, it was a, someone whose father had died, mm-hmm. and when they're driving through Dallas, they... Everyone was hanging their head and sobbing and weeping, and the, everyone was all torn up, and she had no idea that her father was that important. She finds out later that it was when JFK was shot. Wow. Oh, wow. And it's just insane. Yeah, yeah. terrible. Terrible. Sure. I mean, it, 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 it was one of those things, and it was like, you know, the height of the Cold War, mm-hmm. and he was a very young, vibrant president and everything, and it was just a horrible thing. And So, so a couple things to understand about the Zapruder film. Yes. He saw JFK turn the corner in the motorcade, turn on the camera, shot for like seven seconds. Right. Turned off the camera when something blocked his view, then turned it on again and shot for like 21 right. or 20 more well, seconds. He also didn't want to just waste film either because right. it was a kind of a slow moving long motorcade. Yeah. yeah. He, and, he already and, had some film on the roll, I believe. And, yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and, and that's very typical for an amateur photographer, especially if you feel like you need to. Shift your weight to the other foot. You don't want to shake the camera or something. Right. You, you know, you just hit stop and mm-hmm. start it again. Uh, that's not because he was in it with Oswald and, and with the <laughs> no, 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 and block, no. You know, but but yeah. there there were three shots, three rifle casings that were found in the sixth floor, you know, book deposit. Obviously placed there. Obviously placed there, by <laughs> yeah. aliens, and they weren't they weren't lined up on the on the windowsill. They were scattered. Oh God, no, remember no, that? No, 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 no. See, now, now you're gonna now you're, you're gonna sidebar me into this now. <laughs> Do you guys remember the quantum leap? Yeah, where where? Oh he, no, he leaped into uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. I don't remember that one. Oh, okay. I, I can believe it, but yeah. Okay. In any case, that sounds like a good one. It yeah. was. It was. It was a two parter. I oh, I believe it. So in any case, uh, there were three shots and. This was one of the things because the Zapruder film, you know, it starts and then it's it stops and then it starts again. This really bothered people because they were thinking, well, I, I'm sorry, I can't get the sequencing of this down. And because of the way Dealey Plaza is kind of like this little valley, this little kind of enclosed area, sound is very hard to isolate mm-hmm. and locate. So, you know, you could you could say, oh, the sound's coming from here. No, it's coming from over here. But Nellie mm-hmm. Connolly actually was saying, no, she was very certain that the sound came from behind. And most people were it's like, well, you know, I thought it yeah. came from here, but it actually. And you can see in those lost mm-hmm. JFK tapes that people are literally just dropping to the ground with their families and everything else yeah. and just trying to. They don't you, know, you couldn't they don't know possibly where it's like, coming. oh, look, yeah. there's but the I, smoking man. In the... And I hate to say this. Um, people like Nellie Connolly or John Connolly or even Jackie. They're not reliable eyewitnesses. Well, no. I mean, even people on the street casually watching become slightly unreliable because they're eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses are 
terribly unreliable. You're going to be focusing, and because of the hysteria, <laughs> yeah. well, and because of the hysteria and the, and the adrenaline and the fact yeah. that John himself was shot, right? I mean, that throws off even his cognitive abilities to know what in the heck is going on. That's exactly right. right. I hate so. to say that, you know, I, it feels kind of cruel to say, "Well, you don't know what happened. You were just riding in the car when Kennedy was shot." Right. But the the stress and the adrenaline going on there. Yeah. Well, and, and we can we'll get into later about how. Uh, modern techniques have taken the Zapruder sure, films sure. to different points and right. that I think actually do make it easier to understand the the, the ballistics yeah. and the, and the but, trajectory. But about so the forth. sound, sound can be really deceptive. Yeah. I actually had uh, lunch today with uh, eight of my coworkers. So since there Very was... Very deceptive coworkers. <laughs> yeah. You don't know where they're coming from. <laughs> so since there was nine of us, the restaurant gave us one of the rooms off to the side. Okay. Uh, probably just to get us out of the way, but uh, <laughs> so we're all sitting at this big table, and we could hear some faint music. And the people at one end of the table thought the music was coming from the ceiling. The people that were sitting on the end I was sitting on thought the music was coming through the door. So just sitting a few chairs away, we percepted the sound from coming from two different oh, yeah. places. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, you know, that you can really get some weird things with the echoes. Right. Plus, a rifle yeah. bullet is moving faster than the speed of sound. Yeah. So you're going to have that effect where, you know, there something is, is struck and is happening, and then the sound catches up with you later. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. Know? yeah. So, but that first shot was probably happened and probably didn't strike anybody or anything, might have been a miss, who knows where it would have went, but it was probably in that period of time when Zapruder had the film off. Right. And people have a couple ideas. Uh, the couple of eyewitnesses, one person said that they weren't so surprised by the first shot because they saw a spark on the ground behind the vehicle. Mm -hmm. And she was a little rough in her memory of it, this eyewitness again. Right. That's why I say it with a grain of salt. But, but she remembers seeing a spark and thought, oh, it's just a firecracker going off. Right. And then sh the next two shots happened. But... So it could have hit behind the vehicle. It could have uh, hit or been deflected by. There was a traffic light there that possibly could have deflected it. That people are speculating now. Right. Um, but either way, he went wide. And one of the reasons why he probably missed that first shot is because on the trajectory, it's a very short trajectory where he is uh, moving across instead of moving in a straight line away from <laughs> Oswald. So in mm -hmm. that for that very first shot, he had a very small time of of really high intensity aiming to try to get a shot off. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he was blocked by a tree. So he wanted to sneak a shot off probably. And that's why the shot was hurried. And it, he was probably, you, you think about it. I mean, you, it's hard to speculate, but you think about someone taking, oh, this is my first time trying to assassinate a president. Right. They're going to be a little jumpy, you'd think, on that first shot. I mean, mm -hmm. I've gone trap mm -hmm. shooting and that first time that you shoot you know, a clay pigeon even, <laughs> it's kind of a, you know, yeah. adrenaline rush. And you got to think he's been oh, sitting yeah. there stressed out, freaked out. I'm going to do something insane. Yeah. Well, with the clay, I can see that shot going wild. Yeah. With the clay pigeon, you have to make a, de a decision of when to pull the trigger in a fraction of a second. So, I mean, there's, there's, right. a, little, there's a little pressure there. Yeah. But, but Oswald, you know, in the f uh, late 50s was uh, a Marine marksman. Right. And uh, he had bought this mail order Italian carbine mm -hmm. uh, for, I think, the princely sum of twelve dollars. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Manicler Manlicher Carcano uh, rifle. Yeah, it's stored in the National Archives. Yes. as we speak. Yes. that'd be a crazy gun to see in person. Well, I think that's mm -hmm. all part of. Well, we'll get to that <laughs> later. But um, the, you know, it was a bolt action rifle, true. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's bolt action rifles 
if you know what you're doing and you're comfortable with the rifle. And he had mm-hmm. fired it on many of occasions, you know, just target practice and so on. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think that was one of the conspiracy theories is that General Walker was in Dallas like a month or two beforehand and that there was an assassination attempt on him, too. And it might very well have been Oswald. Yeah, it might have. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's also another conspiracy is he didn't know how to use the gun because he scored very poorly in one of his marksmanship tests. Well, you know, whatever. He didn't really care, I don't no. think, about being a Marine anyway. But no. he did he have a lot. He yeah. had experience with guns and right. he did have to yeah. get his marksmanship, uh, you know, on the on the field. So this isn't a guy who'd never held a gun. This guy knew what he was doing. Also, the way he had it set up. Um, in the little crow's nest he had up there or whatever. Right. He didn't have a good way to stabilize the barrel um, ex- until he got that line of, sh- line of uh, mm-hmm. um, sight where he's made the corner. He'd gotten over the hard shot on the corner. And then at that point, the Kennedy vehicle is moving away from him and down at like a three-degree angle. Mm-hmm. So in all essence, he's moving exactly in the same direction or basically standing still as far as Oswald's concerned. Yes, exactly. So he stabilizes the barrel and then he misses or, you know, has that glancing second shot and then he just cocks it and shoots the third he shot. He corrects. So yeah, it's just a correction because Kennedy isn't wildly zigzagging or moving no. up or down. He's basically in the same spot. Well, they've they've done tests since then too, is that if you're if you're leaning out of the window and it's this is a, you know, very sunny day and uh, you know, visibility was perfect. If you're leaning out there and you're looking at this slow-moving object, and six floors is not that far up. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. Um, it, it would not be that hard to make that shot. And, this, and shot number two is probably the so-called magic bullet. Right. But they have since you know, taken a laser and just pointed it down and said, yes, you could do this. You, you're making this shot. It essentially passes through Kennedy's throat, mm-hmm. goes through the back of the seat, uh, goes through uh, Connolly's upper chest, mm-hmm. and then uh, lodges in his wrist. Yeah, blows out his chest, blows out part of a rib. Right. And then hits his wrist. That's right. Now, here's the thing. All the all the conspiracy theories are saying, well, that happened between this frame and that frame because there's several frames difference in the Zapruder film. Right. Well, you're talking about a half a second. Right. Uh, where Connolly did not react for like a half a second to the bullet, mm-hmm. you know, going through him and through his wrist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what's being speculated now, and a lot of this was failed discussions in the HSCA and in the Warren Commission, what they're thinking is that it glanced so close to Kennedy's spine that it hit his nervous system in such a way that if you watch this video, and if you want to be depressed, go watch this video because we're talking a lot about it now. Uh They're all labeled like Z frames, like Z222 and Z, you know, he was hit around the Z218 mark or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, his arms reflex up at a certain point, and everyone says, oh, he went to clutch his throat. And what it really looks like is an instantaneous nervous reaction where he was trying to do that, but at the same time, his arms spiked up, and they think it might have been an involuntary nervous response to taking a blow so close to his vertebra. Well, also, too, I think a lot of people forget that, you know, because of uh, Kennedy's war injuries, Mm -hmm. that he wore a very, um, very stiff, very large back brace. Yeah. Too, which, you know, his movements wouldn't be quite the same as you or I if you, you know, in the same. Right. And, and then if you think about Connolly this way, um, a lot of people who are shot on the battlefield and otherwise injured in a trauma instance, they usually don't know that they're injured. A no. lot of times this happens. The adrenaline shoots, the, you know, loudness, things happen. And he was concerned about Kennedy. And it might have been that this half second that people are debating could be just the amount of time it took him to realize he's got this burning pain in his wrist and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this. Right. 
so he might have been a more neurological response, whereas Kennedy was more of a involuntary neurological response. I, I think that's probably and I've, true. And I've spent many years as a first responder, and I have dealt with people who have badly broken limbs. I've had people with twisted knees almost die on me. And mm-hmm. so I have seen people's neurological responses very different. And I've had people with broken tibias and fibulas think they could just get up and walk away from it. Oh, sure. And sometimes you want to let them try. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, but, you know, it's it's really uh, interesting how we don't realize how hurt we are. And sometimes the thing that we're complaining about, this scratch on our arm, is the least of our worries because we're much more badly injured somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But until you take a person who's injured and sit them down, go through their adrenaline a bit, then you find out where they're really hurt in a trauma situation. So I don't think that it's unnatural for this half second delay that gets blown up. Whenever you hear someone talking about, well, it took, you know, nine frames before John Connolly reacted versus when JFK reacted to that single bullet. Nine frames happened. Well, I think that's just everyone's individual reaction to being injured. Right, And so I totally believe it. And also the uh, fact that there aren't multiple uh, shots, uh, bullet holes in the limo. Mm-hmm. So, and there's no way that, uh, there's no way that he could have pulled off multiple shots within a fraction of a second of each other. Right. So the fact that he managed to pull off three yeah. shots in somewhere around nine to 11 seconds does not surprise me at all. No, with a bolt action rifle and at that, um, at that, height and mm. with those conditions no i do not think that that would be a terribly masterful thing to do right and i remember in jfk didn't they do a big demonstration of how he could never have pulled it off right yeah yeah, yeah. they tried to explain that yeah, there's no way he could have got the shots off but i i think we've had shooters to that have taken similar rifles and yeah. you know demonstrated that the shot is possible well do you have then. a stopwatch yeah, because I got a three-shot bolt-action rifle right here. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't you get that set up, Victor? And yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, do, we'll do. We'll get some. We'll get the ballistic gelatin out. Yeah. Or no, some no. Check it out. Check it out, everyone. You know, in JFK, they say that a bolt-action rifle takes four movements to to go and and get the bullet out. Well, I've got a Stevens twenty-gauge bolt-action three-shot uh, shotgun, which is basically the same. But it's not a rifle; it is a shotgun. Right. But the bolt action on this, which is a nice old gun, works exactly the same way as the Carcano. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very simple movement, which is just one, you know, and you take your yeah. shot. So three shots. If you think about it, the first shot would be cocked and ready to go. So you take your shot. Mm-hmm. Second shot. Third shot. And if you go. think about the time it takes someone who's already in position. You don't have to move the gun at all to cock the bolt action. So it's really conceivable that yeah, it's a person like could have gotten three a, shots a, off. a musket, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Hey, Daniel, you think we're going to be able to? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> so, yeah, a trained marksman, even a poorly trained marksman, would be able to get those shots off and no problem at all. I think that's very true. And uh, yeah. so Abraham Zapruder, you know, after, well, I mean, still very much in shock, like everybody was. Uh, realized, of course, the importance of the film that he had. And so he immediately yeah. took it to a, a local TV station. They did not have the capability to develop his film. And neither did Kodak. Well, yeah. no, actually, well, no, Kodak, Kodak, did. Kodak did, right. did develop the film, but they couldn't copy it, yeah. which I find just bizarre, but yeah, okay, whatever. That's weird. Uh, you know. j- just some little uh, photography trivia on this stuff. One thing we should mo- uh, mention, especially since we were talking about the sounds and the echoes, 
the cameras the Pruder was using was uh, just the video. No audio. Just the video, right. no audio. No audio. And um, so if you wanted audio, you would have had to have a separate uh, audio recorder and then mix it together in the studio, uh, which, of course, he didn't do. And, and most people at that in 1963 shot silent uh, yeah. movies. The uh, other thing... Is. The classic home movies that you'll bore all your friends with. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the flickers. And here I was with my wagon. Yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. But yeah, this this is Kodachrome, which is uh, less labs are able to develop Kodachrome. Fewer, you can count them. Yeah, and in fact... <laughs> Gosh, I'm a grammarian. A gr- <laughs> I hate myself. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not good with the grammar. <laughs> I speak goodly. M-O-N, that spells mood. One of the things driving yeah. me crazy is Cub Foods. 20 items or less. No, yeah. it's 20 items or fewer. You can count how many items you're carrying. <laughs> this is why I'm a type A personality. Yeah, there is <laughs> essentially uh, one lab in the United States... Uh, now developing Kodachrome, it's in uh, called Dwayne's, and they actually are developing this stuff for Kodak. Kodak oh, shut down their so lab, funny. so Kodak, Kodachrome has been discontinued. Uh, but of course, you know there's still supply out there that needs to be developed. Sure. But yeah, so they he they had the TV station develop it, and Zapruder. Uh, no, uh, Eastman Kodak. Uh, right, Eastman Kodak developed mm-hmm. it. Then they took it to the, the uh, Jameson TV... Film Company to get three well, copies. He went immediately yes. to the Secret Service and told yes. them, "I have video. Uh, you know, you yeah. need this." And, and they were did. too busy washing the yeah. car out. <laughs> yeah, we're we're kind of 21st <laughs> century here. He didn't call it video back then. He, he said, "I had film, or I have a movie." He said, "Video? It's a yeah. conspiracy." Yes. He would never have said video. He would have said film. <laughs> Are you from Mars? <laughs> he obviously had a digital video camera from the future given to him by alien time traveling aliens. It's a super slow mo. Hoping to put right what yeah. once went wrong. But that's the other thing yeah. about the Zapruder film is those frames, I mean, half of what happened isn't on film because there's these interstitial times between right. which yeah. it's only 18 pictures per second. Yeah, it's, right. it's a movie camera. Essentially, it's just a still still right. camera that shoots really fast. Yes, and it's so, like, you know, drawing stick figures on your notepad and then yeah. flipping the pages. So what is your brain doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connecting the dots. Right. That's right. Yeah. But um, so We have to talk about the third shot, though. Well, the third, the infamous frame 313. Frame 313, which no one could see until, no, not until... Geraldo... Gerald Driver. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Geraldo some guy. Geraldo and his huge mustache. <laughs> <laughs> that was I, I. You know, one thing I I didn't. I, you guys probably don't know is that I I actually used to love to watch that show, Good Night America. And I, well, you know, it, hey. <laughs> in any case, what are you going to do? There are I only mean, three channels, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, it was on late. It was yeah. free cable. I mean, what am I going to tell you? Well, I didn't TiVo anything good that week. Yeah. <laughs> it's like God. Some of the crap I watched. That's the only thing I can explain. So there was just the three channels. But the thing was, um, Geraldo Rivera was the first person to show the entire Zapruder film on network TV. Now, yeah. now, to get back for just a little bit, one of the things that uh, Zapruder, Abraham Zapruder sold the print rights to Life magazine, which was, right. of course, owned by Time, uh, for 50 grand, which I know 50 grand doesn't sound like a, a lot. No, that's a crap load of money in that 63. Was a, yeah, that was big-ass cash yeah. in 63. But let's just wrap up the story. For those people who really aren't buffs and don't care about this, um, they found the casings in the sixth floor, you know, 
Oswald ran into a couple people running away. Right. <laughs> and then eventually down the street ran into a police officer who was Trip given it. a description. Yeah. And uh, Tippett, I'm sorry. Tippett. He, he pulled out JD Tippett, I think his name is. Yes. JD and, and he pulled over basically Oswald while he was walking away and, you know, called him over to his vehicle. Right. And Oswald pulled out his gun and shot him to death. A 38. Yeah. yeah. And he had a 38. Conspiracy theorists will differ. They'll say something else happened, but right. or that there were a couple people. There's a lot of different stories on and that. To Oswald, and then Oswald <laughs> went to a movie theater mm-hmm. where he was arrested and taken into custody. At that point, right? Okay, so when Zapruder got this money, he gave the first twenty five grand to the surviving widow of the police officer that was killed by Oswald, yes, which, which I thought was yeah, very. Yeah. It was know. that was actually from I I think the second payment. Because the, the first payment of uh, fifty grand was for the the print rights. Well, one of the things that Zapruder insisted on, though, is that because you know obviously he was right there and it was very shocking, he did not want the kill shot to be shown to the public. Frame three thirteen. Yeah, he insisted. Yeah. Now this is the shot. Now you'll if you if you see the movie JFK, you'll see frame three thirteen. That's the one where Kennedy's head just explodes back and, into the left. Back and to the left. Yeah, <laughs> that was weird in the movie. That, <laughs> that was, was like, that really was really weird. disturbing. He okay originally got fifty thousand uh, for mm-hmm. Life magazine to get print rights and and possession of the film, but the next day he got an agreement for one hundred fifty thousand additionally for all the remainder of the rights to the film. Right. He kept uh, one copy for himself and the original, didn't he? And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, okay, yeah, and uh, but but the the one hundred fifty thousand was paid in six annual payments of twenty five thousand, and the very first <laughs> payment he gave it to uh, Tippett's widow. Of so. I just felt like that was a really good gesture, and it was yeah. Yeah. important yeah. to point out that he wasn't a greedy guy. He did want to get paid for it, but the the night of the assassination, yeah. he had this dream that. On Times Square, that was watch JFK's head explode. Right, and he didn't want people to think of him that way. Yeah, think of JFK that way, which we all do now. But yeah, unfortunately. But oh, you know, that's the one thing I was talking about was uh, when when Geraldo did, in fact. I mean, he wasn't always the clown. I know, I know. He was always he was used to be kind of fun. Well, I mean, he was kind of a dink (laughs) then too. But I mean, honestly, when he showed the Kennedy film and it had the infamous three thirteen, the kill shot where the back of his head explodes and Jackie was not bailing out the back of the, the limo, but actually in hysteria yeah. trying to put him back together. Yeah, she was yeah. grabbing yeah. parts. Yeah, And then, so the car is yeah. just like covered in brain matter and bone and blood and mm-hmm. and everything else. He just thought that it would be too disturbing to see that. But in 75, Geraldo showed that there was just this immense national reaction and that reopened the whole you know, Kennedy case and is the Warren Commission was all a white. That, mm. that was the famous book series, Whitewash, yeah. the Warren Commission. And... But I think anyone really interested in conspiracy theory should read the Warren Commission report. Oh, sure. Because you'll understand that they didn't just whitewash. This isn't just a, no. you know, fake investigation. But, you know, the other thing is they, the, the conspiracy theory questions weren't being asked at the time of the Warren Commission. No. But those questions were raised later. Much later. So so yeah. when everyone says, why didn't they ask about this? It's because it wasn't their concern. And no. they really weren't concerned with that first shot either because they were concerned with the shots that actually killed the president. Right. You know, and they weren't even concerned with the third shot so much because it killed the president. Right. They were like, okay, well, where to come from? Where, where were the casings found? What was, okay, well, done deal. Yeah. And then you have this whole Oliver Stone back into the left, Jim Garrison 
oh, talk. I know. So here we go. Yeah. Here we go. The biggest complaint is, hey, it's physics. A head doesn't move that way when it's shot from the one direction. Well, actually, with physics, you've got a very small, uh, you know, three ounce shell hitting a brain or a head, which is 10 pounds connected to mm-hmm. muscles and resistance to motion. And what it's going to do with puncture force is it's going to push it a little bit in that direction. And then there's the, you know, neurological snapback of the nervous system and the muscle system of the human body. They, right. they killed goats. <laughs> Sure. And to, to see what the nerve, you know, what the reflux is, like when you're shot in the head, I feel bad for those goats, but when you're shot in the head, the, yeah. the reflux of a nervous system is to, you know, pull back. And that's probably what a lot of well, that was. And the reflect of the, the brain. And also because he uh, was skull, the front of the skull, that very big, very stiff back brace, he's not going to move in the same way. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Anyone who's ever taken a, a high caliber rifle, like a 54 Casal or something like that, oh. and gone to a gun range and shot watermelon or bowling pins, which I've done, right? you get a small hole in the front and a giant hole in the back. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the way a 45 works. Yeah. That's just the way that a rifle works. Bowling pins, you get a, you know, impact in the front, you know, giant explosion in the back. Right. And, and, and that's I think that exactly. The History Channel did a recent documentary. Where they tried to, you know, did did the shots from different angles, and the one from the sixth floor uh, book depository uh, came out looking like the actual injury. The one from the gra- grassy knoll basically would have blew Kennedy's head off. Yeah, completely. Well, think, cause it was wasn't much that on closer. Discovery and Channel? Jackie's too. It could have been Discovery. Discovery They're all this. I missed it, but there was some Discovery Channel about. Yeah. Uh, it could have been discovered. Uh, inside the target inside car. Inside the target car. I yeah. watched that recently yeah. because, like, say, November 22nd. November t- yeah, we're you know, yeah. timely here. And uh-huh. um, they interviewed Nellie Connolly, obviously, before she passed away. And mm-hmm. and uh, they had a uh, just, like, world-renowned marksman. And they got a car that was very similar to that. And, and they got, essentially, a dummy and, and uh, ballistic gelatin and so forth. Mm-hmm. And this right. guy, you know, they from the same elevation and everything, he said, no, there is no kill shot from the underpass on either side of the road because the windshield would have completely blocked it. Right. The top of the windshield or the windshield itself, there was no kill shot. So so if Edward Blake was over there, yeah, he missed. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if, if there were other gunmen, they missed. Right. Because and, the... And the the, yeah. the so-called grassy knoll, which yeah. would have been a great sniper's perch, by that time, by the time that the car would have been there for in, in position for a kill shot, <clears throat> the second shot had already taken place, and Kennedy was moving forward and kind of clutching at and his She was throat. cradling him. And she was cradling him. Jackie would have been killed as well. So or at least a bullet would have gone through her. Exactly. So come on. Yeah. So there's there's no yes. I I love I, the idea of a grassy knoll. I love the lone gunman in the X Files. The the smoking man <laughs> yeah. in the sewer. Yes. Yeah, I love that. that. Let's all smoke in closed offices. Yes. <laughs> you know, there was an opinion article I read in the New York Times about it was 2007. I I really I looked it up again because I remembered it and then I I couldn't find it for the life of me. It was called JFK's Death Reframed. And it mm-hmm. was by Max Holland and Johan Rush. And their idea was really pointing out that that first shot probably happened while Zapruder uh, was um, stopping the camera. And then the second shot and the third shot were right. the ones that actually hit him. So it was a nice analysis of that. And it was a startling analysis at the time because right. really 
if you think about it, Sputnik and I are in the minority. I don't know your thoughts on the assassination. Are you a lone gunman or are you, do you Multiple think or... it was a giant conspiracy yeah, of Lyndon fine. Johnson? I mean, it's not, no, it's know, okay to believe. We're not here to know the evidence I've seen <laughs> will judge you. so far <laughs> makes it look like the most probable situation was a lone gunman. Yeah. Oswald seems like a prime candidate for that. Oh, he, yeah. he never went to trial. The angry loner. And... But, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll entertain other theories if I see good evidence, but... Well, here's my point, and the reason yeah, why you know, I mentioned just, that is yeah. we would be in the minority. I'm assuming that 70% of our listeners, like 70% of Americans, believe in yeah. a giant conspiracy. Right. And that's okay. Go ahead and believe and it. And that's but, fine, hey, too. Yeah. Go, go, yeah. go read some other things about the conspiracies you're reading. Some of them are utterly ridiculous. Some of them mm-hmm. are more founded in a reasonable doubt that that are fun to to follow yeah. but but follow that thread all the way right and and uh, you know give scrutiny to those characters who are right reporting and, those threats and even um the new york times article you mentioned about the the first shot coming in the, the, mm-hmm. the film gap uh it's possible it didn't yeah there are people that have then written explaining why it didn't happen that way so <laughs> right. sure. there, there's there's someone it's however you want to look at there's it. There's someone you know, on every side of every fact. There's a guy named John yeah. McAdams who did a good job on the web. If you if you type McAdams JFK, he has a great website that takes you to every different uh, point and analysis of the JFK conspiracy theorists and some of the real information from non-conspiracy theorists trying to debunk the conspiracy theorists. Right. But he but he has fun with it and he points you in a lot of fun directions. Oh, sure. I suggest looking him up. But another guy who I really highly respect is uh, Vincent Bugliosi. Oh yes, and it's it's spelled Bugliosi, B-U-G-L-I-O-S-I. Yeah, but it's 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 that silent. It's just Bugliosi. Right, right, Bugliosi. Yeah. He's from uh, Hibbing, much like Bob Dylan and uh, some other people I know. Right. He was also the uh, prosecuting attorney in the uh, Charles Manson case, and he wrote Helter Skelter. And so he's also well, he also wrote uh, uh, how George W. Bush should be prosecuted. Yes. I forget the na- the title of that one exactly, but uh, the the giant novel that took him 20 years to write because he collected all the conspiracy theories he That is an could. impressive book. It is an amazing book. It's 1700 pages or something like that. I've got it right here. It is a giant tome. I have by Victor, no means finished it. You could use that book for a footstool. Yeah, this this <laughs> is, is an amazing. Ottoman. Yeah. This yeah. is an Ottoman. Yeah. And uh, it's called Reclaiming History: The Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's it's huge, and it comes with a CD-ROM, which is 170 uh, PDF pages of endnotes and 958 pages of PDF source that is, notes. That's impressive. He sourced everything, but he was also involved in a mock trial of Lee Harvey Oswald mm-hmm. in uh, London that was televised, and he was the prosecuting attorney in front of a jury where he tried to just beat down all the conspiracies and obviously did a really good job of analyzing this and mm-hmm. the jury decided in his favor for Lee Harvey Oswald's guilt oh, I'm not surprised. in the assassination. And and so I would suggest reading it or bits and pieces of it, but really uh, I think it's a nail in the conspiracy coffin that really deals seriously with all of the conspiracy theories. And maybe he has an ax to grind and wants to do that, but hey, mm-hmm. more power to him. This guy spent a lot of time... <laughs> <laughs> digging through every conspiracy theory. Oh. I, I didn't run into every single one, just most of them. And there are wow. so many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think one thing that we have to bring up is that, you know, the, the Zapruder film is, is had, uh, you know, there were splices in it and some of the copies and everything. And I, I think a lot of this isn't so much 
cover-up is just that yeah. people were trying to edit it so that they could sequence the events correctly. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't, I don't yeah, think it was necessarily but, like, oh, let's take this one out. We don't want, want them to see this. Well, oh. there's, there's always some incompetent tech that screws something up, and so but there's a little right. damage. The, the Kennedy know. assassination in the aftermath was, to me, a series of um, honest mistakes, missteps, uh, disputes over territoriality, you know, who who had, was it the Dallas police, was it the Texas Rangers, was it the FBI, was it the Secret Service, mm-hmm. who had control over the crime scene. Right. You know. And, and the utter shock that this thing had happened. And the shock for, yes, yeah. absolutely. This mm-hmm. These type of things do not happen every day. I think but, what's, yeah. what's most fascinating about it was because, you know, Geraldo did, show this film and that was the first time people had seen Kennedy killed in such a brutal, brutal. public way. Right. And th- the first time it was really showed in a kind of public, but you know, it's just the people in the courtroom who saw it was at the trial of Clay Shaw. Uh, yes. Put on by Clay Jim, Shaw. The Jim only Garris. person prosecuted <laughs> yes. in the Kennedy assassination. The Kennedy assassination. Yes. Exactly. And found not guilty. But this is what's portrayed in the movie JFK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the Sabrina film plays a part in that situation and of course it, okay so it's played on tv but later there, there's actually you know comes kind of some suit on who owns this who should get the royalties for it yes. going on yes and the family ABC. not abraham zapruder who passed away in 1970 but his family i think yeah. was was quite greedy hey more power to him though if you think yeah. about it this is a giant piece of history it's gold i know but, yeah. but, but it's public domain it. in so many I don't ways no i don't know i agree with it's you. kind of like putting an amusement park on the deck of the titanic you know i, mean? I know i know but yeah they they got their money so eventually oh, yeah. eventually it was settled and and through yep. eminent domain and other uh back and forths they decided no this belongs to the government but we're gonna pay you some money <laughs> And they were going to settle for much less, but one of them was an attorney, wasn't he, or some kind of tax lawyer? Something. Yeah, I don't know the details. Well, he, he pushed yeah, him. Was... He said, "No, we need eighteen million. This went on said, for well, years. We'll give you yeah. sixteen. It, it, it did go on for years, <laughs> but I think the final the final uh, blow was in nineteen ninety two. George Bush the uh, first yeah. signed into law yeah. the, the John F Kennedy Records Collection Act. Uh, essentially yeah. the JFK Act. Mm-hmm. So it, it the whole idea was to preserve for historical and governmental purposes all records related to the assassination of President Kennedy. Exhibit number one being, of course, the Zapruder film. Around that same time is yeah. when the Records uh, Freedom of Information Act took place where a lot of records were released to public domain. Actually, a Freedom of Information was uh, Nixon. Right, but I'm saying that the time frame of... The Kennedy assassination. A lot of these block documents were finally released. Oh yes, they finally said, "Yeah, right, just, just yeah. have them." And conspiracy yeah. theorists were like, "Oh well, uh, we don't want them," <laughs> because a lot of the documents revealed that there really wasn't anything there. There's no big deal. And yeah. so then they downplay the documents that disagree with yeah. their conspiracy theory. That's when you know when you're something. <laughs> there's there's something wrong with your theory if you're not willing to see the truth. Yeah, yeah. No, don't yeah. show me the truth. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Well, I think we've covered quite a few things. Where yeah, you know, it's like I am not going to let facts get in my way. God damn it! Yeah, but I, but then again, there there you can go with it. I mean, this is George Herbert Walker Bush, Bush who has CIA connections, and now he's signing an act about oh, JFK. I know, I know. Yeah, you, you can, can just. Discuss, but you know, one of the things that you were, you were talking about before was, uh, or we were talking about before was, you know, we're trying to localize sound, right? But I think what few people 
really realize is that memory is not a static thing. No. Memory is recreated constantly. Right. That's why I don't day. believe eyewitnesses. And eyewitnesses are great for conspiracy theory, but not good for fact. No. And I remember some experiments that Alan Alda did. Remember, did you ever see those PBS oh, Nova specials? Yes. I think those are pretty yes. cool. Where, where they you were just very cool. You, you show someone an image and then you ask them questions about it, and then you ask them the same questions or different questions a week later. You'll you'll say different things based on mm. what you're asked. So we are very faulty machinery. And that's right. I, I mean, that's what's great about Zapruder is it's an, it's a more rigid document than the human mind is able to. Yes. You know, create. It's not trying to connect the dots. It's just showing us the... The memory is being not just relived, it's being like recreated and rebuilt and reorganized. Right. Thank goodness, because... So... Yeah, if I wasn't I, doing that. I don't know. Shit, I don't know if I, I don't really know what I think about this. Uh, one, one, uh. <laughs> one grows thankful for a fading memory. Uh, but uh, the JFK Act actually, you know, essentially the, the Zapruder film became... Property of the United States government. That's it. Hard cheese. No copyrights. No nothing. This is it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by 1999, the family was awarded 16 million dollars yeah. for good the on them. Good on them. Because I mean, hey, 16 million. I mean, what did they give Halliburton? Oh, we lost a billion dollars. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. I... This is a giant, important piece of history. Yeah. Let the family get a little compensation it out is. of it. It's now sitting in a storage, cold refrigerator in the National oh, Archives. You yeah. could never put this in a camera again. Maybe no. they'll unroll it yeah, to take digital. Project. You know, the more camera, in fact, is also in the National Archives along with the, the Oswald yeah. rifle. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. And if you don't take care of it, I have seen, you know, some film. I think it was Kodachrome that was, it could have been Ectochrome, but it, it looked pretty bad. It after just a few, cracks. It was starting to flake apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just kind of interesting that, you know, here you have a man who, who actually, I think, had a very interesting life long before. 1963 and the fact that you know he he was born in Tsarist Russia and and uh survived uh, the Russian Revolution and you know emigrated to this country and was a very self-made man and was doing quite well for himself and it then took just, 26 yeah. seconds of a film, film. that just, just changed everything and one of the all knows Zapruder in... yeah <laughs> yeah you know amazing. his name just yeah. because of that uh-huh. oh in fact that lost tapes of JFK they had an interview uh, with Abraham Zapruder, and he was talking about you know the headshot and and uh, he was there and he was he was a very very interesting man very well spoken very you know mm-hmm. you know I just want to do a quick cursory explanation too about uh, Jack Ruby you know because Jack, Jack Ruby goes you know just gut shots that's another great piece of video footage oh yeah you know the gut shot of Lee Harvey Oswald yeah. I always wanted the T-shirt of him playing guitar you ever see that I do have that one actually oh, I, love, <laughs> I mean that's <laughs> It's, it's brilliant. It's, it's yeah. It's gruesome. It's maybe a little dark, but yeah. Jack Ruby was a hothead character who had just a crazy yeah. background himself. So these cast of characters were really something. And mm-hmm. there's been numerous films made about these guys. And I don't even know who played Jack Ruby in JFK anymore. I, uh, I think that was Murray, wasn't it? Brian? Do- no, was it Brian Doyle Murray? There was Seriously? A, I could be there wrong. Was also That's a, my guess. There was also a Seinfeld episode with Newman. Yes. And uh, <laughs> and Newman was in JFK. Yes. And he was, yeah, yeah. But in Seinfeld, That's they right. were both spit on by a single spitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> but 
<laughs> yeah, Ruby being kind of a hothead, he was, you know, and he he liked Kennedy. And well, he, he, yeah, he really did love so Kennedy. So he was ticked off at Oswell, and he just... <laughs> oh, yes, he was, I mean, for, yeah. for people who don't know him, he, just he essentially chance. owned a local titty bar in Dallas, and he was well-known to the police. And in fact, that, that documentary I was just mentioning, The Lost Tapes of JFK... Um, they were very slowly but surely collecting all this information about yeah. Oswald, you know, that he was in Russia, that he was a Marx, longtime Marxist and so on and so forth. But you could see the actual shock on the policeman's face when they knew it was Jack Ruby. Yeah. They all knew this guy. They had seen him a lot and mm-hmm. he was a well-known face. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I, I don't and, think just because he owned a titty bar, but it was just essentially that, uh, he knew all these guys. He knew these cops. Maybe the cops went yeah. to the titty bar. I don't yeah, know. But, you know, but um, wasn't didn't he have a mother who wasn't a good mother? Had a mental disorder and something. Didn't like take that, care yeah. of the kids because it was it was one. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it was Jack because uh, at one point his mom had the idea that she had a chicken bone or fish bone or something stuck in her throat mm-hmm. and would go to the doctor all the time to get the doctor to help her right. weekly and then monthly until she forgot about it. And then a few months later, she'd pick it up again. And like the oh, whole yeah. upbringing was just completely bizarre and strange. Well, then Ruby died in prison before he really revealed anything. <gasps> and of course, you know, he killed Oswald. He couldn't reveal anything. And uh, of Well, course- and Oswald was preaching conspiracy, that he was just a patsy. Well, in that Lost Tapes, too... Yeah. Uh, you could the reporters that were already asking as soon as they knew Oswald was dead from Ruby's shot that um you know, is this some sort of conspiracy? <laughs> oh, oh. I'm sorry, that wasn't a rifle shot, that was me sneezing. <laughs> it was a grassy knoll gunman. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I mean it began almost immediately. Yeah, yeah. And... I guess it did, but I think it really got its footing a, a year or two later, uh, yeah. after the Warren Commission was... And those are the old days, too, when you mm-hmm. couldn't use the interweb like the kids have today. You had to do all this shit through mail order. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to mail order me some conspiracy theory. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's interesting, and we just wanted to take a slice, and I think the, probably the most visual slice, because they've they've digitized the Zapruder film. They've done 3D modeling with Much it. Much like Bigfoot, they've stabilized. They've stabilized the, yeah, stabilized the I shake. actually appreciate the stabilized Zapruder film. I think that's yeah. really well done. And it's good modeling, and they've actually done some three D modeling as well. Yes, yeah. And so. what it, that does too is that you can you can look at things from different angles, and you can also uh, remove the glare and the jumpiness and the fuzziness, and and just focus on Connolly and Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And really, that's what you're interested in. You're you're interested in the actual gunshot victims. Yeah, there's a f- only a few frames of actual, and you can see clear as day what's going on, or. As a picture says, a thousand words to a thousand people. Right. Uh, wasn't that said in uh, in the JFK documentary? It's a riddle wrapped in an enigma. Right. They, so, they stole that Winston okay. Churchill quote. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was also going to say, too, mystery. in uh, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, it was like, uh, that was what Kirk and Spock were saying. The first thing you do is you kill the assassins. <laughs> you know? And I thought, okay, well, that's fine. Yeah. That's I don't true. know. I had to throw that in. That's I just true. had hey, to. That's well, a weird Star Trek reference. The... Uh, <laughs> I pulled that one right out of my ass. That was that's good. I remember that. I'm like, oh my god, this is a little bit JFK here with the Klingon assassin. So the uh, the current location of the uh, original Zupruder film is in the National Archives. Yes. And but in December 1999, uh, the the Zupruder family donated the film's copyright and one of the first generation copies uh, made on November 22nd, uh, 63. 
uh, to the Sixth Floor Museum in the Texas School Book Depository in Daly Plaza. I thought you were going to say George Lucas. So, jo- yeah. yeah. I thought He's maybe got everything. I thought maybe ILM. Yeah, it's going to be part of the next Star Wars <laughs> yeah. film. Oh, God. But- <laughs> Did you see the picture of R2-D2 in the Star Trek film? Star if you stop what? a frame in the new Star Trek film, because ILM oh, yeah. did all the visual effects for the Star Trek film, there's a picture of R2-D2 flying in space. No wow. fucking way. Yeah, totally. Go to the internet, find it. Oh, Jesus. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah, 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 R2-D2 we, we, is yeah. the new Where's We've been Waldo. Spending the, uh, yeah, I was going to... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we spent all we're talking about oh yeah don't no, no, no kids don't believe everything you see but you know what <laughs> they live in the same universe star trek star wars no you shut up no you shut up <laughs> well that was always the debate at growing up what's better star trek or star wars you know you know i is that really a debate i don't know if it's really a debate because i mean they they have very different appeals yeah. i think yeah i mean one is tv ethics movies blockbuster yeah. Yeah. But I mean, my algebra teacher liked uh, Star Trek. Yeah, I th- I th- it's like the thinking man's crawl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll go with that. You know, it's it's like uh th- there's a lot of Gene Roddenberry was really interested in a lot of the ethical quandaries of the time and you and... know something I I that, now that we were kind of on this vein, I recently saw a movie from 1960 called The First Spaceship to Venus. Anything? Oh yeah, that must have been a real crapper. It honestly wasn't, because again, remember this was 1960. The effects were not that bad, and this was like a, you know, future Earth, and you know we had kind of gotten over a lot of you know war and poverty and everything. It had a completely multi-ethnic, multicultural crew, and they were you know going off and looking at these. Yep. So I thought, I wonder if Rodberry just learned, like because he was such a hack. He must have just like taken this, you know, line for line, kind of like Zero Hour was the 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 Zucker brothers. Wow, that sounds cool. So that that could be the the genesis of Star Trek. Huh? I think it could very well be because wow. you you had a lot of the same people, and I thought, oh wow, he probably saw this late night in some film house, and then just huh. said, you know, yeah. God damn it, that's a great idea. <laughs> I'm going to call this guy Mister Bulu, Mister Sulu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, um, so obviously there are tons of books, tons yeah. of websites. If you're interested in the JFK assassination, if you want to tell us your views. Please, if we're totally wrong and we're missing the point. And... If you were involved in the JFK yeah. assassination, please let us know at feedback at tankriot.com. We also yeah. have a we have a Tank Riot group on Facebook, and we also have a Tank Riot uh, Twitter stream. Twitter. Tweet. Oh. Yeah, check out... Uh... Got the Twitter link on tankriot.com. Twitter.com slash tankriot. There you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you can and, get there. You can get there. Hey, I mean, I can't say we can but, really wrap up JFK. No, there's but, no wrapping up. We would just go there, on and on. Right. And on. No, this is going to be discussed for the next 100 years. So. Oh, if not more. Yeah. And And uh, so I was just thinking we could maybe, we could just briefly do 2012. Hey, yeah. is the world going to end on December 21st, no, it's 2012? Not. It's not. It's not. It's not. Not because likely. Done deal. You, when, <laughs> when I was a kid, I was one of these horribly nerdy kids, and I was totally a space race brat, and I had one of those little cloth jackets that was, you know, festooned with mission patches. And one of the things I was, I don't know, weirdly interested in, even as a kid, was all things Mayan. And the Mayan language, Mayan culture... I mean, I can't say that they're they're completely understood, but inroads into understanding and interpreting the language and some of the you know 
cultural stepstones mm. uh, are, are fairly recent, actually. And one of the things that I wanted to point out was that the, the Mayans were very, very good, astute astronomers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, all cultures, no matter how primitive, have to have some idea how to tell time, when, you know, when to harvest, when to, to plant, and, and so on. But they really took it to a very fine degree. But, and yeah, they noted that there were certain alignments and things like that. But this was actually, the whole 2012 thing can really just go back to, in the late 50s, there was a misinterpretation where they looked at this, you know, 5,000-year Mayan calendar and said, oh, this means that the universe is like a cycle, like the Matrix, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it just just keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. No, that's a complete misinterpretation. But of course, now with uh, t- you know cable TV and the internet, now 2012 has linked Mayan prophecy and Nostradamus, and now we have a movie, which I saw. Well, that was based on the writings of a science fiction author, basically, who thought, oh, I'll make it really interesting to tie in the Mayan calendar into my... Oh, there's, 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 there's the yeah. Mayan prophecy, there's a yeah. lot of Christian... Okay. Uh, theology in this movie. I got to say, uh, 2012 is the biggest piece of crap uh, I've seen since The Postman. And again, it's like three and a half hours. I'll never get back. I saw the preview <laughs> and I thought, well, this this would be a fun drug-fueled uh, film to watch if you want to see the entire Earth explode for unknown reasons. You'd, you'd have to keep buzzed for a fairly long period of time. <laughs> is it a long movie? <laughs> yeah, it's like I wasn't three, expecting a long movie. It, it, no, it's like over three hours long. I mean, how long does it take for the Earth to fall apart? I mean, I saw uh, statues just crumbling for no reason and like everything's yeah. like just falling apart for no reason. And yeah. I was like, what is this, uh, the <sighs> Stephen King film? What was the Stephen King short story that he did um, at the airport? Anyway, oh, the mist or no? He did. He did one about the whole Earth falling apart. Uh, oh, okay. I forgot the name of it. I know. Which, I know. Yeah. But in any case, this this movie it has John Cusack, and John Cusack has done some good movies in the past, but this was not one of them. <laughs> he just he was supposed to be an estranged father who was trying to come back into his ex wife and uh, children's lives, and he just looked like you know bug eyed, sweaty, and twitchy, and distracted through the whole thing. Uh, Danny Glover played a president because, well, Obama's black, and, and Danny Glover turns out is black. Yes. So, yes. you know, that worked. Hmm. The only thing I would say is notable about this movie, there were three specific Wisconsin references, Scandinavian nice. references. <laughs> the first time is, is that there's a lot of quakes. Is it all our fault? No. It's but the it's, cheese! Okay. It's the cheese! <laughs> oh, Larry, the cheese! <laughs> so, so what happened was, there's this huge crack that opens up in Southern California, not in and of itself a huge event, but there's this old woman who looks over the rail and she says to her husband, Ernie, I told you we should have never left Wisconsin, <laughs> you know, because there's this huge you know, gap that just opens up. Then the second thing is, is that, OK, I'm going to not ruin this for you because, oh, geez, there's no way that you should see this movie. Just don't. Yeah. You're not ruining yeah. anything for me. Yeah, I'm convinced. So. Uh, another part of the movie is okay, neutrinos from the sun, which is of course we know they have no mass, no you know nothing. They don't interact with they're, matter. They're like a physical description of nothing, right? But now all of a sudden they become incredibly destructive, and they're heating up the Earth's crust, and the poles are switching, and the plates are moving, and there's tsunamis every fucking plane. You know the poles switch every now and then. Well, they kept saying that the world doesn't come to an end. It does happen? Yeah. On the interweb, <laughs> if you had a billion euros, you could buy a seat. 
for yourself, your loved ones, whatever, um, on these um, arcs. Mm-hmm. And you think, uh, oh, they're spaceships. No, they're actual ships. <laughs> they're like this huge fucking love boat with headers coming out of the In top. the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so even the rich people, you know, are still, you know, shit flows. So there you are. In any case... Um, Brought to you by Anne Rand. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> you can afford it. So the pole shift, and one of the scientists asked, well, where's the pole now? Wisconsin, probably right where Eau Claire is. <laughs> the poles in wow. Wisconsin. Yeah, and they show, so there's this huge map of Wisconsin. I could see putting the North Pole in Eau Claire. Yeah, I, yeah. I think a lot of people could. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so then, what actually turned out to be the South Pole, because it, it shifted that much. But wait, that's right above the Pine Curtain. That can't be the South oh, geez. Pole. Oh, All of a sudden, yeah. there's penguins everywhere. I put it near Water Street. <laughs> so one of, the, so one of the, so one of the people in the in the movie wrote a book, mm-hmm. and um, they, they were finishing the last chapter, and uh, the last line was, "And everyone will say they knew somebody from Wisconsin." Oh God! <laughs> so That's I mean, three Scotty Nation references. That's really it was, it was weird. Wow. Fucking bizarre. It's too bad it was in a really shitty movie. Oh, shitty, forgettable. <laughs> It was just awful. But it had Cusack in it. You know, you yeah. know. Sp- speaking of Wisconsin, I believe I just saw in the news tonight that they um, are have or are in the process of declaring the official state microbe. Oh, and, sweet. And I, and I forgot the name of the microbe. microbe. Is it that shit that broke out in Milwaukee, the Streptococcus? No, no, no. Yeah, Cryptosporidium. That's it. <laughs> It's 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 not that. I got a touch of the cryptosporidium. Oh, I got the crypto like you wouldn't oh, fucking believe. I can't get me to no, work. No, they're the going for the more positive image. It, <laughs> a positive microbe. I forget the name of it, but it is the microbe that you need to make cheese. All righty uh, then. Yeah. You should know that. But, you know, one thing I'd like to say about the Mayans that I really get sick of hearing is that... Hey, I'm not going to believe the world's going to end from some people who couldn't even invent the wheel. Yeah, I hear that, that a lot too. Yeah. I'm sick of that one because you know what? The Mayans had the wheel. Yeah. But you know what? The Mayans had no use for the wheel. They lived in a jungle. Right. <laughs> <You know>? Wheel. <laughs> what what uses a wheel in a jungle? Oh, yeah. oh, and here. Why don't you why don't you tie your wagon up to them? They're llamas. Yeah. Because llamas don't pull crap. Because yeah. llamas yeah. aren't draft yeah. animals. They're they like big dogs. Yeah. I know. Uh-huh. They're like, they're like yeah. what what are these doing on my they're shoulders? They're related to camels. I'm not taking you anywhere. They're like a big collie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> speaking of Eau Claire, I went to college in Eau Claire. And the new I, South Pole. I, I went on my one of my numerous bike rides where I would just go out of the city, not knowing where I'm going, and then try to figure out how to get home by a different way. But one day, I I <laughs> okay, came I then. came around right. the I came around the bend of this country road to to a farm that uh, had a whole whole uh, flock of uh, a herd a herd of llamas, and uh, <laughs> it was just like. You know, it's so surreal. It's like, wow, there's a bunch of llamas here. I'm just biking by, you know. <laughs> so I said, hey, llama. Hey, llama. Like, yeah. You know, like for the effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I Upon your death, you Scotty will achieve llama. total consciousness. Chupa Ch- Ch- Connection. <laughs> so I got That's that going great. for me. Yeah. <laughs> Which is nice. So but, please. But, hey, hey, no, seriously. The, the, the whole wheel thing, hey, let it ride. Yeah. The mind calendar is just an odometer turning over. It's just the 13th. 
of their, you know, well, long, Victor, we're talking long calendar. Victor, I've long it's no big deal. decided that I, I, you know, I don't really want to offer any, you know, anthropological counter arguments. It always comes down to basically for me, it's like, hey, they were smarter than you, bum fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we just leave it at that? Okay. All right. Fine. Let's agree to disagree. Uh, they, were, they were clearly <laughs> talented stone cutters. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. they made some nice stuff. Well, you know what? You know what always used to piss me off is is in the seventies. I mean, this is how misinterpretation of of archaeological evidence can really occur. Is that I, I don't know if you guys remember um, Eric von Doniken in in the Chariots of the Gods. This guy is such a an, a miserable fucking hack. <laughs> but he, he he came out with this book that became immensely popular. What it, where it essentially came down to was that, well, you know, little brown people are not going to be able to figure out how to do this stuff. So it had to be aliens. So <laughs> so it couldn't, you know, it, 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 it couldn't be that, you know, the pyramids, they, they had a knowledge of, you know, astronomy and mathematics and building and they could have figured this out. No, no. And one of them that, that always was this... Um, Mayan king's tomb, the the stone cover of his sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. He said, clearly, doesn't this look like a person who's manipulating controls in a space capsule? No! <laughs> you know, so they look at it now and they say, okay, here's the king, and here he's surrounded by all these cultural icons right. that mean something in the afterlife. No, he's not manipulating controls. But this is a very easy yeah. and common prank of... Of of people where they will say like you can you can show someone cave drawing of someone and say doesn't that look like an astronaut yeah and say well yeah, yeah it does look like an astronaut I just but if saw you that don't say TV. that to them and you say what does that look like no one's gonna say an astronaut no they'll say yeah. an astronaut yeah. after you propose the idea to them well that's right. like hypnotism Ooh, you know, you're right past life regression yes. or alien abduction uh, now that was a oh, big one please. that came out was you know it's like whoa you know we hypnotize these people and they found out they had all these traumatic experiences. Well, yeah, because they're in a highly suggestible yes, state. You that's say, all it is. Well, you were just, yeah. like, fisted by an yeah. alien, right? See, the fourth kind in 2012 uh, just pissed me off so much. Oh, there God. was no way yeah. I was going to give any credence to them. Now, oh, Mothman right. prophecies? Okay, I'll go there. Yeah. Okay, Mothman. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, it, <laughs> if shit happens, happens in New Jersey. Because, hey, we're talking, <laughs> <laughs> talking Mothman here. Is that I the guy with the, the tick? No, he could be. He could be. The moth was the 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 sidekick. Yeah, the Mothman. I think the Mothman is a solo lone gunman. I think. Yeah, I think the Mothman works alone. Wow. Okay. I mean, it's like really, you know, pick your prophecy, pick your conspiracy. Let us know what those might be at feedback at tankriot.com. Yeah. All right. So, good night and good luck from Tank Riot. (laughs) That's a complete conspiracy, you know. All the evil people of the world are banded together. Communists, subversives, thieves. It's a total, complete, worldwide conspiracy.
miserable car I drive. Sit back and allow communist infiltration, communist indoctrination, communist subversion, and the international communist conspiracy to sap and impurify all of our precious bodily fluids. conspiracy. The FBI and the CIA and J. Edgar Hoover and oil companies and the Pentagon and the men's room attendant at the White House. Well, I, I would leave out the men's room attendant. <laughs> 